Well, good morning, Oakwood family. So glad that you're here with us, with us this morning online and all across the Fruited Plain. Uh, welcome to uh, Oakwood Christian Church, and uh, welcome to the sermon today as we continue in our series called Soul Activity. Uh, the title of today's message is Made for a Time of Crisis. Made for Times of Crisis. As we've been uh, getting into this series starting last week, uh, we've just been talking about how God can use uh, things to grow us. Last week we talked about how we're not going to make excuses in this season. We're going to connect with people. We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to pray. We're going to use this as a season for spiritual growth and pray that that continues today as we uh, talk about how we are made for times of crisis and how in times of crisis God can actually use those times to grow us spiritually and we're going to learn today that he actually does that with a greater purpose in that we would share our faith with others. But before we go there, I want to read something to you that I actually wrote 10 years ago. So uh, just listen very closely. 10 years ago, I wrote this as part of one of my sermons. At 8.17 p.m. on the evening of March 3rd, 1943, bomb raid sirens went off in London, England. Taxi drivers, buses, anti-aircraft, shots going off. They didn't see any planes, but that didn't tone down the horde of people. The chaos and frenzy lasted 15 minutes. The bodies were sorted out for four hours. In the end of that event, 173 men, women, and children lost their lives, but not a single bomb had been dropped by any planes. It turns out that no bomb killed anyone that night. Fear did. You know, fear loves a good stampede. Fear's payday is blind panic, sleepless nights, disquieted hearts. I would suggest to you that fear has been making a good living lately. You know they're talking layoffs at work. Al-Qaeda is threatening more than ever before. Will the economy recover as quickly as we'd like? You know, there's outbreaks of this new virus, H1N1, the swine flu. There's crazed dictators who are collecting nuclear weapons and making threats. And terrorism is always present. Yeah, that was a part of a sermon that I wrote called Fear Not Factor. It was actually written 10 years ago. And as I stumbled across that in my studies this week, I thought, wow, you know, so much of that relates to us today, doesn't it? I mean, back then it was the H1N1 swine flu. Today it's COVID-19, you know, the coronavirus, you know. Uh, back then we had an economic uh, downfall and people were wondering how fast is the recovery going to happen. People started to lose their, their jobs, were wondering when they were going to be hired back. And, so, you know, there was rumors of layoffs. And all of this was going on, and that was early 2010 when I wrote that. It's amazing because I guess what I want you to know is, hey, folks, we've been here before. We've been here before. And I'm not saying it isn't stressful. And I'm not trying to say uh, that, that this isn't uh, maybe a step beyond what we've been through before. Because last time we didn't get locked in our homes for weeks on end. Uh, last time uh, we weren't wearing masks and going out and have all these restrictions and all these suggestions. All these things we're supposed to be doing. I understand it's different this time. But at the same time. It's still a crisis. It's still a crisis. And we've been through these things before. But I have good news to share with you this morning because I believe that God likes to work 
through a crisis situation. He can do that to grow us. He can do that to further his kingdom if he wants to because he is God. He is awesome. And in that respect, I'd like for us to understand something this morning and just kind of start here. Every crisis is an opportunity to see God work. Every crisis is an opportunity to see God work. Sometimes I think he does his best work in the time of crisis. And we're going to be reading a passage today that, that speaks to this. So let's look at our text this morning. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is the second letter of Paul uh, to the church in Corinth and to the Christians there. And, and encourage him, encouraging them to just walk with the Lord and to live out and walk out that Christian life. And it's very interesting because of some of the things they were going through, their crisis, how he begins this letter in chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in, in verse 3, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And just a reminder, you can use a Bible. Uh, if you've got a Bible handy, please turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and just leave it open this morning. We're going to uh, get back to it several times throughout the sermon. Uh, but also just a reminder, you can download the app, all the scriptures, and, and, and all of the, the bullet points and all of that are there for you this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. We're just going to read these uh, first four verses together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if you are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is for you and it is unshaken that we that we know that as you are sharing in sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. I'm going to just pause there this morning because there's several things I want us to get out of this uh, section of Scripture and what God is speaking to us today. And the first thing is this, and, and a couple of these may be really obvious to you this morning, but I want you to hear, uh, I, I want you to, to take this word, put it in your mind, put it in your heart, and allow God to grow your faith here. And the first thing is this, out of this text this morning, is the person for your crisis is God. The person for your crisis is God. You see, when the crisis comes, and so many different crises, so many different situations in life, it, it just seems like we really struggle with where do we turn? You see, many in our world today would say, well, we're turning toward the government. You know, uh, uh, the government's got the answers. Or uh, we're turning to a relationship. Maybe it's our, our spouse. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's our boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's our, our best friend. But we, we turn to someone to seek out comfort, to be able to discuss things and talk over what is going on in our world, to be able to process that with a person. And yet, the person for your crisis is God. If you think about it, and you've looked at many Christians in your life, how do people make it through the crisis? I mean, we've had people with crisis health issues. We've had people go through crisis financial issues. We've had uh, people, you know, that have been involved in just accidents, you know, just things that happen in life. We've been in, seen people be in dire circumstances 
and straits in life and how do they make it through and how can they have comfort and how can they have peace and how can they have hope? It's in God alone. God is the person for your crisis. And he says here in verse 3, look what it says in verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look what it calls God here. It says that he is the Father of mercies. He's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That all comfort that you need comes from the Lord God Almighty. He's the Father of mercies. He is the God of all comfort. And what the scripture is saying to us here is that he is all that you need. That God is the person for your crisis. I believe that God uses these times and these seasons to especially equip us, to especially equip us for kingdom work. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But God is the person for your crisis. The person for your crisis is God. The second thing I want us to get out of the scripture this morning is the promise for your crisis is comfort from God. The promise for your crisis is comfort from God. Look what it says there in, in verse 4. And, and let's go back to verse 3, just, just those last four words of verse 3. It says, He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. In some of our affliction, or maybe when it's not really, 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 really hard, or really, 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 really stressful, or when, oh, maybe when we know the answers pretty much, and we don't have to actually exercise faith, those afflictions, no. It says that he is the one who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Again, any affliction. Because God is the God of comfort. And that is the promise for your crisis is comfort that comes from God. Now, our afflictions can take many forms, can't they? I mean, our, our afflictions and the things we go through life take many forms, many situations. But God says, I am the comfort for all of those circumstances, for any situation, for any crisis. I am the God that you need to trust in and to depend on. A couple of scriptures that, that, that kind of speak to this. It's found in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, 24. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, we can have many companions, but they can still bring us in, to, to this place of ruin because they don't have the answers. They can't give us the peace. They can't give us the comfort. We can even become agitated and frustrated with family members and friends and spouses because we don't understand it. But there is one. There is one that sticks even closer than a brother that's just right there with us like our sibling, our brother. Just a person that is right there with us, and that is God. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, it says this, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Why? Because the Lord is there. Why? Because the Lord is the one that's going to be there with you. He's going to go before you. He's the one that is going to bring you comfort. God does not promise to remove our crisis. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes there are times in life where, where God actually does that. He'll actually will be in a crisis situation. We'll pray, and God will supernaturally just remove the crisis. 
but many more times in life, we will be in the middle of a situation, in the middle of a crisis, and what God will actually do is use that time of crisis to develop our faith, to show up big, to, to honestly bring himself more glory, and to walk us through the crisis, not to make it end suddenly, but to walk us through that season so he can grow us. And through that, we grow in faith, and we grow in trusting God to be our comfort, to be our peace as we go through those times. So the person for your crisis is God. The promise for your crisis is comfort from God. And here's the challenging one this morning. Because those first two are like, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, th those are easy to accept. Person for my crisis is God. Yes, the promise for my crisis is comfort. Yeah, I might have learned a little bit there. Yeah, comfort from God. Okay. But the last one is the purpose, the purpose of God's comfort is to share it with others. The purpose of God's comfort is to share it with others. Let's go back to verse 4. It says, who comforts us in all our affliction so that, why? why? Why does he comfort us in all of our affliction? It says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. That when other people are going through their time and their season of crisis, when they're going through their time and their season of affliction, that we can actually be the ones that minister to them. We can be the ones that point them toward God and point them toward God's comfort in their life. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, we are to share that with other people. And the comfort that we share with others means so much to them, especially in a season like this. There are some that are not maybe as strong or as far in the faith as you are. And so God is going to use you to bring them and to speak into their life truth and comfort and to know the presence of God. To know that he's not left us, he's not for, forsaken us, he is there with us, he is, he is fighting for us, he's, he's fighting for us to get through this time. He's also wanting us to draw close to him as we go through this season. And because of that, sometimes our potential usefulness for kingdom work goes up. Because we are not only learning to, that God is our comfort ourselves, but we are able to actually share that with others. When, when you are faced with that opportunity, that you can now actually reach out to someone and be the physical hands and feet and voice of God to them. To show them that God loves them. To show them that God is the person for their crisis. To show them that you can have peace in this time. That it is possible if you will draw close and put your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. If you'll turn to God and do that, that God can actually use this time, not only the blessing of growing us and us getting closer to God ourselves, but also the fact that we actually, we actually get to help others. We actually get to help others grow in their relationship with God. You know, I think sometimes when we go through crisis, God enables us to go through these things and to, and to get into some very, very specific areas. I, I want you to think about some of these. Uh, some of you have lost a loved one. And when you've gone through the loss of a loved one, when you get on the other side of that and you've walked through the stages of grieving and, and, and you've walked and you've you felt God's peace come upon you, peace that surpasses understanding that, that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus and the desperation and, and the loss is not as heavy as before and you're growing in your faith and you're learning how to walk every day and get up every morning and, and do the things that you need to do to, to grow in that relationship with God and to trust Him more, you get to share that with someone else. It's an awesome opportunity, but you would not have that opportunity if you had not gone through the loss of a loved one. I think of, of, of one where maybe it's, it's someone who's been abused. 
I, I remember years ago we had a young lady on a Sunday morning uh, come to church very frazzled, and it was between services, and somebody came and got me and said, there's a lady here who is literally running away from her abusive husband. She has her car loaded with as much as she could sneak out of the house this morning. She had a, a young child and a baby, and she said, you know, basically she was getting beat up, and, and they said, you know, uh, we need somebody to pray with her. We need somebody to talk to her. You know, I was about to, you know, to, to preach, you know, um, second service, and so I, I didn't really know what to do. And I remember thinking of people in the church, and it was amazing because how God used this moment was uh, we were in the stairwell in the oak. It was my wife and I, and we were actually walking with this lady. We were walking her upstairs, uh, getting her to one of our Sunday school class teachers that we thought would be a, a good place for her uh, to uh, be able to talk to someone. And on that stairwell, someone else from the church was coming down. And we just struck up a conversation, said hello. She could sense the urgency, you know, and she could see the bruising. And she just knew something was going on here. And what happened is that lady that we met in the stairwell met this lady that was running away from her husband uh, that Sunday morning. And I did not know this, but that church member had actually gotten out of an abusive relationship uh, with her husband years and years and years ago. And it was amazing how she could totally relate to that young, that young mom. She could totally relate about the fear. She could totally relate about the abuse. And they just ended up ministering to each other, which was great because, you know, I had to, had to get back to, to, you know, the service was about to start. Um, I think my wife was working in children's ministry at the time. So, uh, we, you know, we had to leave them together. But it was great because this church member ministered to her because of what she had been through in the past. She was able to minister and offer her comfort in her situation right there to offer the comfort that God had brought her through life, she was now able to share that with someone else. I mean, isn't God amazing? You know, I think of people in our, in our church that have been through a divorce, and someone in our church maybe is, is, is and it could be a new person, they're, they're coming to our congregation and they're going through a divorce and they're, they're seeking out God and seeking out answers and how someone, uh, I remember one time uh, we had a, a divorce situation, I just felt like someone who can relate to this needs to talk to this, this person. And I, I remember this married couple, I had never knew they had divorced in their past. They were, you know, just in love. They'd been married for like 25 years. They said, you know, we actually got divorced, both of us, in our 20s uh, before we married each other and have had this long marriage. And, and we'd love to minister to them. And it was amazing because of the comfort God had brought them through the divorce from 25 years ago was now being able to be ministered in that moment. This is how God uses his church. This is how God uses his church members. This is how God can use you. You know, I've said it before. God never wastes a hurt. God can use the comfort that he's given you and bring that to the forefront and use it for other people. It could be in, fi in the area of finances. Maybe, maybe someone's going through financial time or they're coming out of a bankruptcy or they're, or they're just coming out of a season where they're struggled. Maybe it's a job situation. And someone who has been through that, that God has brought them through it and gave them his peace and his comfort through it all can share their situation with another person. And it's just amazing. God uses these things, all these times of crisis and trouble for his greater glory. Because sometimes when we go through life, it's like join the club, right? I mean, that's how we feel sometimes. It's like, you know, oh, you're going through that too? Oh, join the club, you know? I, I have something unique that's happened in my life. And if you've been at Oakwood for any amount of time, you've probably heard the story. Uh, but I had a rare injury years ago. I actually broke my femur. And I'm wondering this morning, uh, just show of hands out there, how many of you uh, have broken your femur? Because there's not very many of us. How many? Show, show of hands this morning. How many of you have ever broken your femur? All right, wow, tough crowd, tough crowd. Um, well, you guys, 
uh, can see what I've been having to deal with. You know, I saw Vader. I saw, I saw that hand over there, though. Um, but, you know, uh, you've seen what I've been dealing with for weeks. That's why we're so excited to uh, be able to get back to church together soon uh, because I've been preaching to uh, puppets and minions and other sundry items we found laying around the church. But, uh, yeah, it'll be good to have people back in God's church. But, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a rare injury uh, to, to break your femur. I have some pictures from 1984 uh, when that actually uh, happened to me. Uh, you can look here. Uh, the, this is me in the hospital. Um, it's me in, in traction there. And then uh, you can just keep going through those pictures there. It's, yeah, I had a pin through my knee. I was in traction for 34 days on my back. Got the ice pack on my knee to keep the swelling down there. But I broke my femur, and, and they had to do all this. And then I got into a cast. There's a two-by-four that goes across from one leg to the other. It's called a hip spica cast. And then I think the last shot is of me in a wheelchair. And you can notice on my left leg there, right underneath where that 2x4 is, I was bleeding through my cast. I had to actually get a new cast within the first 24 hours uh, just because my stitching on that side of my knee was, was not holding. And I bled through my cast and had to get another one. But, you know, it's a rare thing to be able to say, hey, I broke a femur. You know, and, and so anybody that's ever broken a femur, I'm always like, hey, welcome to the Broken Femur Club. Some of you may remember Betty Jo Duhon, a uh, great, uh, great lady of, of the Lord. She just passed away this, this past fall. Um, but uh, I remember when she broke her femur a few years ago. Uh, that I remember when, when she got to come back to church, I, I, I was talking to her. I said, well, welcome to the club. You know, and she's like, what? And I said, welcome to the club, the Broken Femur Club. I mean, there's only a few of us in it, you know, and, and she laughed. And, you know, but that's the way it is with us in life if you think about it. Sometimes it's like join the club. If you've been through a hard time financially, join the club. Hey, you struggling with some medical issues, some health things? Join the club. You, you're going through life and, and you thought things were going pretty well, and then all of a sudden your senior year got messed up? Join the club. I mean, all of us go through these times in life where we have these crises and these situations that come up, and we need to be able to relate to each other and say, join a club. And those of us that have been through it before need to offer God's comfort, to share God's comfort with others. The purpose of God's comfort is to share it with others. The purpose of God's comfort is to share it with others. So if you've been hurt, if you're going through a crisis, if you have suffered loss, Whatever you're going through, remember that God is the answer. And that God may be using you in something that you've been through in a time that he has brought you comfort and peace and maybe even joy on the other side of suffering and might be calling you to use that wisdom, to use that faith, and to put it into practice, to exercise it, to take an action step to actually minister to someone else in their time of need. And God uses this, these crises, the, the crisis that we're going through. He uses it to build our faith and to fully make us into our full potential for kingdom usefulness for him. And he does that because he's a loving heavenly father. I think right now there's a lot of people that just need to hear that. They need to know that God loves them. They need to know that he is for them. He, they need to know that if they'll just turn to him. He will give them his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, uh, through God, will just bring us comfort and peace like no one else has. But, you know, it, it really boils down to this this morning. As we come into our time of closing this morning, who will you rely on when struggles come? I mean, really, who do you reach out to? 
Who do you rely on? Who is your first thought? When something happens in life, when that crisis comes, as a believer in Jesus Christ, your first thought, your option A, option number one, the first place you should turn to is God. But let's be honest, some of us struggle with that. We don't rely on God in those circumstances. In fact, some of us will look at everywhere else in the world for our source of comfort in our crisis, except God. We, we think, well, man, do I have enough money to cover this crisis? Do I have enough money in my bank account to put my faith in my money, in my bank account, in my investments, in my portfolio? You know, for, for some people, it's in their retirement, you know? We, we go through a, through a, a crisis and say, I'm going to put my faith in the doctors. I'm going to put my faith in science. I'm going to put my faith in, in medicine. For some of us, you know, in a relational crisis, I'm going to try to put my faith in this other, other person. I'm going to put my faith in my counselor. All of those things can be helpful. And I'm not saying God can't use those people or use some of those things. But God wants us to rely on him to be the number one. I want to close the sermon today by reading the rest of our passage. I don't know if you caught that. But our passage today is 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 10, not just 3 through 7. Let's read 8, 9, and 10 together and allow the Lord to speak to us as we close this morning. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. They're talking about suffering for Christ and that they had gone through some stuff in Asia. And look what they call the affliction that we experienced in Asia going on here. And it says, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Let that sink in for a moment. For we were so utterly burdened, so stressed out, so deep into the crisis, beyond our strength. There's no way. We could not solve our problems. We could not get through what we were going through. That we despaired for life itself. And verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. You feel the desperation? You feel the crisis? And then look at the second part of verse 9. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I love the second part of verse 9 because they're speaking to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that we just celebrated a couple weeks ago in Easter. I mean, isn't that amazing? How many times in Scripture the resurrection of the dead comes about because that's powerful. I mean, anybody that could do that today would, would win some followers, right? I mean, if somebody could walk into a hospital ward and just raise people that had passed away, Guess what? I think someone would take notice of that. That's exactly what he's talking about here is the power of God. It says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, because that's what we try to do as humans. We're going to just rely on ourselves. We're going to rely on other humans. No, it says, but that was, was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He's got all the power that he needs. Look at verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. Pay attention there, folks, in verse 10. He delivered, past tense. He's delivered us in the past. We can sit here and tell stories for hours of all the times God has delivered us in the past. He says he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us to the future. It's future tense. He delivered, and he will deliver us. Look at the rest of verse 10. On him we have set our hope, and he 
will deliver us again. It's on him that we set our hope. Nothing in this world, no government, no bailout, no doctors, no vaccines, nothing. We're going to put our faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone, in him only. And so we have set our hope on him that he will deliver us again. Who? The God of comfort. The God of all peace that loves us, that is with us, and that is going to see us through this time. And if you're outside of faith in him this morning, I want to challenge you to take that step, to call him Savior and Lord, to profess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and to, to just speak it out loud to say, I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. If you've never made that decision, you need to do that today. And if you want to be baptized, I offered it a couple weeks ago. I got to even uh, baptize my own, my own daughter on Easter Sunday. We will find a way, a, a safe way, to make sure that you can get in that watery grave of baptism and to share that experience with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to clothe yourself in the watery grave of baptism, to be raised to walk in newness of life. For some of you, maybe you have found yourself in the last several weeks, last month and in, in, in a couple weeks, you have found yourself hoping in other things. Hoping, hoping not in God. He is not the God of comfort. You've tried to come find comfort in your bank account or in some kind of bailout money that you're supposed to get that maybe you haven't gotten yet. Uh, you've tried to put your, put your hope in, in, in the science world and in doctors. But God's the one that says, hey, I'm the God of all comfort. I'm the God of peace. And ultimately, I'm the one that wins in the end. I'm the one that holds all this in my hands. And you need to trust in me. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity we have to be a part of your faith community here at Oakwood. And even though it's online, Lord, and we feel separated, we know that, that possibly very, very soon we're going to be able to come back in here and, and be together. And God, uh, we are called by you, uh, the God of comfort that has shown us comfort in our lives and that has ministered to us. God, we are called by you to actually take that same comfort that you comforted us with, as Scripture says. And to share that with other people that desperately need it. And God, I know that we all have commonalities. We can say, hey, join the club. We've been through some stuff. We've been through some crisis together. We have been through situations. And in our scripture today, it says affliction. We've been through times of suffering, the scripture said. But the God of peace and comfort comes to us and offers us hope. We choose as, as Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, we choose to put our hope in you and nothing else, but only in you, God, because we know you are the one who ultimately saves us. And God, we thank you for that. And we pray all these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.